Welcome to The Power of Stories, a podcast by women, about women, and for women. Their voices and their stories. I am Sharon Catherine D'Agostino, founder of SayItForward.org. And I'm Yodit Kifley-Smith, a creative on a mission to make sure that the voices of women are heard. In this podcast, you will meet courageous women from around the world whose unique path to empowerment will leave you encouraged and inspired. On today's episode, we are very happy to have Joan Kambabazi, who is joining us from her home in Uganda. Joan is a full-time gender equality activist, and she actively campaigns for an end to child marriage. Joan is also the founder of Gufasha Girls Foundation. Joan, welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sharon. Let's start, Joan, with what inspired your passion to actively campaign and to start a foundation to end child marriage? Thank you so much for that question. Actually, a question that is very, very close to my heart. The reason as to why I'm doing what I'm doing, the reason as to why I campaign for an end to child marriage, the reason as to why I campaign for girls' education, the reason as to why I campaign, I advocate, I stand up to see that every girl is thriving is because of my personal story. This happened to one of the closest people in my life, I, a person who I don't know if I will ever replace in my life. This was my childhood best friend called Gufasha Morin. Gufasha was married off at a very young age. She was 13. Her parents thought that she had gone far with school because they thought she was already grown up for marriage. Uh, She was married off, just imagine, to a 62-year-old man, like a grandfather to her. Okay, I'm so sorry. Sometimes it gets emotional to me. I am not feeling ashamed that it gets me emotional because this is the story that has moved me. This is the story that has, you know, every time I lay my head down, I'm like, uh, I really need to do this. Am I really doing enough to end this practice? Because I just imagine how many girls are really going to be held, how many girls are going to be captured, how many girls' dreams and hopes and childhoods are going to be stolen by child marriage. My friend was denied a right to education, was denied a right to dream. This was a person that we were very close, like their family. That's how we grow our relationship, like being a very close relationship. She was my best friend, someone that really inspired me, someone that, you know, I inspired. We used to look up to Michelle Obama. We used to look up to powerful women. And we always sat down and we're like, one day we will be like those women. The world will know us. Tell us a bit about what leads parents to give their daughters away in a child marriage. I'm so sorry. I needed to take a deep breath. Take as much time as you need. Okay, thank you so much. And I am so glad that this you're providing a safe space for me. I think one of the greatest reasons is 
the societal norms that still exist, the traditional, the cultural norms. Well, we might be having lack of education opportunities for girls, especially in rural areas. But even if these opportunities existed for girls to be in school and not to be in marriage, the biggest challenge is the traditional mindsets, the, the, the beliefs that still exist in our cultures, in our societies, the belief that even if a girl studies and completes her bachelor's, completes her master's, she'll still get married. So why are you going that far when at the end you're going to get married? That belief makes parents to be like, why am I even educating you when at the end of it all you're going to be married? Why not getting married right now and stop spoiling my resources? Most times, yes, poverty might be a contributing factor to child marriage, but you find also families that are well off here in Uganda marrying their children off, their daughters off when they are 15, when they are 16. The biggest challenge according to my experience, because I work at grassroots for all the years that I established Gufasha Girls Foundation in memory of my friend, I realized that we are fighting mindsets and that's what we really need to fight at grassroots. We might provide these economic opportunities to families to boost their livelihoods and income for so that their children are in school. But if we do not change their mindset, if we do not break down those barriers, if we do not change those tradition and culture, societal norms, we are doing nothing. Where every time a girl is idle every time a girl is not school there are so many chances that she will be married off at a very young age there are so many chances that she will get pregnant at a very young age so also come in other causes like lack of empowerment most of these girls do not know that they have a right to education they have a right to say what they want to say also, the lack of uh, enforcement of these laws. In Uganda, we have laws that protect girls from harmful practices, child like child marriage, FGM. But most of these communities, most parents do not know that these laws exist, even the girls too. So all of those are causes. And what ultimately happened to Gufasha after her marriage is also something that I think our listeners need to understand because it is one of the many, many risks of child marriage. When you get married, you are expected to give birth, of course, because if a man came to your parents' house and paid dowry, bright price, you have to deliver to the man's expectations and that is giving birth for him. Gufasha was like parents received bright price of two cows. And that is a lot in the African societies, two cows. Mm -hmm. So when she got married, this man took her in. She was violated. I think what happened to her could have been avoided or overcome, but the violation, the domestic violence that she, she faced while in marriage, the beating. In reality, what will a 13-year-old girl tell a 62-year man to do? 
nothing. So she was always violated. She could not stand up for herself. The man always beat her up. And of course, she had to get pregnant. So when she got pregnant, still she was facing all that kind of violence, which I think also affected her. So when she was giving birth, she could not, she couldn't make it. She could not give the birth to the baby. That is what really took her life and the life of the baby. No one survived. My heart goes out to you, and I know our listeners' heart goes out to you because your grief is profound. And you took something, your inner strength, and you turned your grief into this really remarkable foundation. So what made your parents focus on your education? Well, I think I should say that... uh... Both my parents are not educated. I am not coming from a well of family that my father had so much wealth to take me to school and all that. But his heart, like he always told us when he sat us down as his children, he told us, I never went to school, but I would love you to go to school. He went to farm, he grew crops, sell them, make sure that we go to school. We we didn't go to some expensive schools, but he made sure that we stay in school. If we needed a shoe, he could sell whatever that he has to give us that shoe so that we can walk to school. And besides that, I did not grow so much with my parents. I grew up with my grandmother and he loved me so much, so much that she could not let me go off anywhere. I completed my primary level of education here in Uganda. You have to go to secondary level of education. Then after secondary, you go to high school, then you go to university. So after completing my primary education, that's when I I got separated with my parents. I got separated from Gufasha because my grandmother and my parents were living in some kind of different communities. So I had to go to my grandmother's. That is the period we entered secondary. How old would you have been when you entered secondary? So we were 13, me and Gufasha. And that's when she was gotten into marriage, but we were living that time. By that time, I was just going back home for holidays and we could meet, we could play. But when we went to senior two, that is when she got into marriage and I was at my grandmother's place. So in holidays, when I came back, I got to know that. Mm-hmm. I got to know that I felt so desperate. So when I got to learn about the whole thing, I realized that it was her parents that forced her in that. But the level of a girl, like the most likely age that girls are being married of is that age of 12, 13, 15, 10, 11. I went to my grandma's. Trust me, like I could not move. I could not go anywhere and no one could even touch me. So besides my father having a heart of educating her children, A parent might love to educate their children, but the society, the norms that exist, his friends that marry off their daughters could convince him to marry off his daughters too. So I think my grandmother was a very big, you know, strong pillar in my life. 
how did she encourage you to use your voice? Because now you're an activist and an advocate. How did your grandmother help you? The biggest and the greatest gift that my grandmother gave me was to encourage me to stay in school. You know, of course, education has so many challenges, but every time I sat down and she could tell me, you know what, there is nothing you're going to have in this world without an education. So when I went to school, I learned from other people. I learned from fellow girls. I learned, like, I learned so much. And the best thing I did was to use my teachers. Every time I had a challenge, I could talk to them. The part of my life where I really got empowered, I really got to know that, hey, you can use your voice, is when I decided to start doing community work. Uh, I don't remember the year very well, but I established a Gufasha Girls Foundation in 2016. But that's after I started doing some community work. And I was like, okay, I think I need a team. I think I need a group of young people to work with. We need something that we can call home. We need something that we can, you know, use it as a tool that goes back to why we do what we do. Because I started doing this community work because of Gufasha. If nothing had happened to her, I wouldn't be doing this. Everything was going back to her and I could not name our organization. I could not name our group or initiative something else, but rather in memory of my friend. I talked to my teachers. Mm -hmm. I told them about my story. I told them, I really think there is something that has to be done. The little me didn't know what to do. I think I knew what to do, but how to do it. So when I joined school, I came back to life, like real life. I started thinking, my brain was boiling. I was like, okay, I cannot just let this go. First of all, I cannot arrest her parents. I cannot arrest the man, you know, that married her when she was young. What can I really do that can really change this kind of thing? Because after I sat down, I paid attention to everything happening in our communities. And then I realized that, whoo, I didn't know that this is happening until it happened to my friend, that is what opened my eyes. I don't know how, but I think I need to do something. So when I talked to my teachers, they told me, I think you can go door to door. They gave me some kind of advice, like because nothing was being done. Okay, there are those community groups that always seem to be doing some kind of awareness, but trust me, they lacked energy. They lacked passion because every time a community group could gather together, those people expected money to, to get money from these community leaders. So no one could come to do the work passionately. And I was like, I think there is some kind of young energy that has to be here. Would you talk a bit about the expenses that are associated with a girl going to school? There are so many challenges that girls go through when they really want to go to school or when they're going to school personally. As I said earlier, my father is a farmer, even right now. Just imagine this season, you have to go to school, but the harvest is not yet out. Or these buyers that, were, that have to buy your father's crops, harvest, 
are not yet available or they're giving him very little money. And besides, I am coming from a very big family. We are 24 kids. So just imagine that we all have to go to school. It's not that I never lacked books. I did. I have funny stories of my life, but then when I look at them, when I look back all the memories, I'm like, this is what makes people strong. And besides my personal story, I am working with girls that even lack a pencil, a pen, a pen of 500 Ugandan shillings. And of course, you cannot attend school when you don't have where to write. What are you going to do at school? Girls are walking long distances because of school. Five kilometers, 10 kilometers to attend school because their communities do not have schools. Just imagine waking up and you have to be at school at 8 a.m. You have to walk that long distance, wake up, shower, do the house cures, walk to school. Even sometimes without having something to eat, the government put up free education, both primary and secondary, but this kind of education is no longer free anymore. Parents have to pay. You have to pay 20 US dollars, 15 US dollars, uh, 40 US dollars for your kid to study in this public school that, already, that governments claim that are free. There is no free education in Uganda. As a passionate activist and advocate for girls' rights and women's rights, you use your voice. How can we all encourage other women and girls to confidently use their voice and claim their power? No one should ever tell you that you cannot become the person you want to be. No one should ever tell you that you are not worthy of being the person you want to be. First of all, I grew up from, as I said before, communities that I've grown up from undermine, undermine girls, undermine women, you know. But I, let me tell you one of the biggest testimony that I brought to my community. I am the first graduate in my community. I wanted to prove them wrong. I wanted to show them that undermining girls' education or rights shouldn't be something that has to exist anymore. I told my dad, I do not want a graduation party. But then when I sat down, I was like, how will the community know one of their girls graduated? I told my dad, we are going for this. Even with the little man we have, we have to bring together these people. And trust me, I've seen so many parents take girls to school because of me, because of my testimony. No one should ever tell you that you're not capable. No one should ever tell you that there is a limit to what you have to do. You are powerful. You are unstoppable. You are everything that you need as long as you believe in yourself. You made so many very important points. And I love your message to girls because it's a message to women of all ages that no one can tell you that you can't be what you want to be. I thank you so very much for being here. I thank you, Odit, who's with us in spirit, even though she wasn't able to co-host today. I thank our 
co-producer and editor, Lisa DeJavine. And of course, I thank our listeners for uh, taking their time to listen to this episode. Joan, is there anything you would like to say as we close this episode? Girls are powerful. Girls are already leading. I am a leading example of girls being empowered. I would love to tell this to the world that if you have the potential to support a girl, it could not be financially. How about you create a self space for that girl? A, an encouraging word that you give to a girl, trust me, will change her world or change her mind or, you know, encourage her. So I would love the world to give girls the support they need. Girls and women rule. We invite you, our listeners, to visit sayitforward.org and to share one or more of your stories about your unique path to empowerment. Or you can read the stories others have shared. This is Sharon Catherine D'Agostino. And Yodid Kifle-Smith, signing off for now and hoping you'll join us next time. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll recommend the power of stories to a friend. And lastly, We want to remind you of the power of your story.